welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking about the different ways of approaching co-op game design. Some games are solo games that provide options for more players. Some require multiple players are an impossible and are impossible to solo. <laughs> and many are in between. So what really makes a co-op game different than a solo game? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, now with a website at thegiftofgames.com. And welcome to Nicholas Lotz, I think welcome back, Nicholas Lotz, and Dan Seed, our newest patrons. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, if you want to distract me, like John was just doing during our <laughs> intro, you can join us in our live Zoom chat every Monday night, 8.30 Central Time. You can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live and find the link there and join us. It's a ton of fun for some of us. And today we talked about nuts and rhubarb. Is that a good summary? I'd say pies in general. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean... Yeah. Also, legumes. We talked about legumes. Barbecues. And barbecue. That that was when my audio was messing up. So I just got to hear about you guys talking about barbecue in past tense. So maybe I'll have barbecue tomorrow. Yeah, you can join our Zoom audience and see how laggy Chris and Fletcher's uh, internet is today. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Today, our, our internet connection is amazing. It should be fine when people listen to it. But we're going to be confused for the next hour. So it's fine. <laughs> so did you uh, hear about my internet problems? No, because you didn't tell me about your internet problems. So, I, you know, I was saving it because I know any second now you're going to ask me how my week was. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You should wait till I ask. So, Kitty, Fletcher, okay. how are your weeks? Well, this crazy thing happened to my internet. <laughs> <laughs> it started dropping all the time. We would just be like you know, everything would be connected and then it would disconnect. And it was driving Spencer crazy at work because it kicked him off his network all the time. He had to log back in. Wait, so do he you have Comcast? Of course we do. So okay, we then it's not a crazy them. thing. This normal thing happened to our internet this week. Keep going. Ours is actually pretty <laughs> reliable most of the time, unlike either of yours. But anyway, uh, the the Comcasty part of this is Spencer called comcast and they were like well it there's no reason that your internet should be doing that so you can't talk to a human so he had to go to an office in person to find a human and he's like i'm not coming back until our internet is fixed and so he left the house he came back maybe an hour later and he's like they're sending a technician first thing tomorrow morning and so the technician showed up and discovered that our internet had been eaten by squirrels well, okay. maybe the squirrels have a the same automacity towards Comcast as I do, and therefore wanted to destroy it one <laughs> cable at a time. Yeah, so they had uh, chewed through the cord connecting to our home, the cable, some would say. And so they replaced that, and we haven't had any uh, issues since. So, yeah, that was fun. I Man, just love I the picture of a squirrels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love the picture of a salty robotic voice saying, your problem is not important enough for you to talk to a human. Please press two and go away. I assume that's what happened, but I was not on the phone. Press two to hang up. Press three to go away. (laughs) Press four to talk to a human. You won't actually talk to a human, but maybe it'll make you feel better. Yeah. Any other button and you can just sit on hold for the next four and a half hours until you finally get frustrated enough to hang up or your cell phone battery dies. Oh, Comcast. Yeah. Um, So I was going to talk about how next week is Memorial Day and that might affect our schedule, but apparently it doesn't because none of us have plans. Um, Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Memorial Day evening is kind of a chill anyway. So it's like Monday night after you're done with your day off work for those who get the day off or working holiday hours for those who have to work holiday hours. Um, You know, you can come hang out with us. Get that double Also, I... Yeah, exactly. And it's time and a half. At least it was when I was working Memorial Days. I kind of miss working holidays. It was like a very camaraderie thing. Like when I used to work movie theaters, I used to work Christmas and New Year's Day every year because it was just kind of fun to, you know, work on Christmas and New Year's Day with your friends. And it got because out of- you've always enjoyed complaining about things. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to complain about this next thing. I forgot to thank Alex because he. 
uh, his coasters that he sent us came in. And I don't have, I only have five of them in front of me because one of them is in front of Fletcher. Uh, not in front of Fletcher, in front of Sydney. But this is an <laughs> Azul a new coaster. One? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is this your coaster? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Chris has been sneaking to your house and placing coasters in front of I you. Know. I was wondering where that came from. That's amazing, Chris. <laughs> Greatest musician ever. <laughs> Uh, in my head, it works because you're sitting, you're in front of me, and then Sydney's desk's in front of me, and then Fletcher's just interchangeable with basically any personality in my brain. But the That's amazing one. steel. You get called Spencer a lot, but never Sydney before. <laughs> That's a first. I, I'm showing Kitty the coasters that I'm going to drop off for her, which is the Azul Excellent. and Wrist coaster, and then Fletcher, you're going to get the Gloomhaven one. Uh, Gloomhaven coaster. The Gloomhaven one nice. is cool. And then uh, I gave Sydney the Keyforge one, but then I'm going to keep the Mechs versus Minions and Rising Sun coasters. So if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, we had an interview post show with Alex and his wonderful girlfriend. I think girlfriend. Um, I think it was his sister. Girlfriend. Sister, maybe sister. Alex and a girl <laughs> that was sitting next to him. Um, <laughs> post show, I think three episodes ago and he was uh talked to us about his etsy shop which is geek coasters shop and etsy so and i I discovered it's a shop not a store or something um but anyway geek coaster shop and these are really really cool i'm actually gonna go and i'm gonna pick up a few more uh so thanks alex i just want to say thanks also i need to actually fletcher do you have any stories for the week because i have one but i want to give you a chance Uh, yeah (laughs) i got an iPad Pro, yay! The Ooh, newest one. How exciting! The new one, yeah. I didn't get the twelve inch. Nice. The just the eleven inch, but I it replaced my original iPad Air that was super old. Yeah, the iPad Pro is one of my favorite things. It's just you can do everything it's, in it. Um, it's really great. I love using it, and I've already. I don't know. I'm weird, and I'm like, I'm not going to read any books. I don't read a lot of books in general, but I was like, I'm not going to read any books until I get my new iPad because I like reading on the iPad more than physical books. People can hate me. That's fine. I know people like books, but I like reading on the iPad more, Um, especially now that you can track your progress and everything because I'm all into that. Uh, So I read um, Andy Weir's new book, um, uh, Hail Hail Mary. Um, Andy Weir is the author that wrote uh, The Martian that got turned into a movie Mm. with Matt Damon. Um, he was out with a new book and I read that in like two days. So also recommend that. Book. Nice. If any, if anybody likes hard science fiction, Christopher asks, that's is that the, the one, one with the M1 nice chip? Matt Damon in space? Not <laughs> yeah. yes. the one with bad Matt Damon in space. Wait, what's the bad Matt <laughs> bad Damon in space one? Is that Elysium? Is that what <laughs> No, <laughs> the other one with bad Matt Damon in space. Matt, Matt Damon's in a uh, lot of movies. Inception. Um, interstellar. I was gonna say Interstellar, but he was. Damon. Was he in that oh, one yes. mostly? He's the bad he guy the, in space. He was. He was the bad guy <laughs> in Interstellar, kind of. I mean, he lied he was about his reports. Sort of. A, he was a bad guy. He was a yeah. not nice guy. He was a selfish guy. He was a selfish guy. He wanted to live. In space. Yes. Um, well, my story has to do Spoilers. with your story slightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and Christopher says that's the one with the new M1 chip. I'm assuming yes, right? Yes. Yes, it is. All right. All right. So speaking of M1 Apple chips, um, the M1 is the new Apple-made custom processor that they're putting in their iPhones, iPad. Well, their iPads and their new iComputers. Their Macs. So I, yes, iMac and Mac Mini and MacBook Pro, all of them have, and the MacBook Air also has an M1? Yep. We'll just say it. We'll say yes. Okay. So... I was recording. I wanted to do a series of YouTube videos. So if you're following me on YouTube, thank you. If you're not following me on YouTube, you should. Um, there's still... I'm, I want to put almost put beta on the videos, but they're getting better every day. Uh, so I started doing a series on Terraforming Mars because I got the Terraforming Mars big box the other... about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I have not seen a big box storage solution that is worse. It is absolutely and always the worst big box storage solution I've ever seen. <laughs> I hate it so, so very much. 
It's so bad. This Sorry, is such Steve. a new hot take for you, Chris. Hating uh, on terraforming Mars. I know. I know. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> how okay. unusual. And and the thing is, I didn't even know this because I was just going to open up the box on camera and be like, okay, I'm going to take the stuff from my terraforming Mars box, which has all the expansions, everything fits in it just fine, and put it into this other box. So I'm I'm 20 minutes into this video discovering how bad this solution is. It's so bad. And then I look over and I notice that I didn't turn my audio on. So oh. I have no awesome. no real video. Yeah. So it's just like silence. So I'm like, okay, fine. All you right. You have actual video, this, but no audio. I have yes, I have actual video, but no audio. So I'm like, okay, well, that's on the checklist of things to check next time. No problem. Got it. All right, that's fine. Um Okay. So then Tabletop Nope Talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tabletop no talk. So then I, I started recording again a couple days later, and I changed the concept of video because I, I didn't want to just be so scathing about the box. So I'm like, now I know what to expect, and I can be like, okay, here are the positive things. The card sleeves are fantastic. I love the card sleeves. But, you know, so I started talking about the positive things. Card sleeves are great. Um, the little 3D tiles are fine. The There's a couple other things that are fine. There's a card box in the big box store solution, the smaller card box. That stores all the non-project uh, cards. It doesn't fit the cards. Not not like lengthwise, widthwise. If you put the cards in sleeves, they do not fit into the card box. That's specifically meant for the cards that fit in sleeves. I'm like, I found this out live on camera with no audio. It, I, oh my, livid. The first player marker takes up about eight square inches of space for a first player marker that replaces a small punch-out disc. They literally have pictures on their on their Kickstarter page of you lining up all the little dudes for the um oh I forget the one with the the voting expansion. Lining them up in the tray, which is just a big empty square. Like you're supposed to line these things up. I don't know, maybe glue them down. I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> it is ridiculous. This box is so stupid. It. Oh, it infuriates me. Anyway, so the second video, I'm about 30 minutes into this particular rant that I just did now. And the universe apparently doesn't want me talking bad about terraforming Mars because then it made my hub over overheat, which cut the connection to my SSD drive I was recording to and corrupted the file. So that's all gone. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I am done. I'm using an old work laptop and I have like 55 different cables. So I bought a Mac mini, the new M1 Mac mini, because I want to stream 4K. And Oh, I forgot we're talking about the M1. I know. It was a long journey, but I got there. Trust me. I've been looking forward all week to just vent this story out. So Greek meander pattern you just let me through. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying. So the, so this was supposed to show up on I think we'll say Thursday. Thursday the monitor and and the Mac mini were supposed to show up. So the monitor shows up early in the morning. And the Mac mini FedEx says it'll be there by 8. It'll be there by 8. It'll be there, at 8 o'clock. it's like it'll be there sometime between Friday and Thursday of next week. Friday says <laughs> it'll be there by 8. It'll be there by, and then it's like no no no, it'll be there Saturday. So it did show up Saturday right when I had friends over so I couldn't do anything about it. But it was there Saturday so Saturday night Cleaned up the house. Everything's good. Went downstairs to set up my new Mac Mini. Plugged it in the monitor. Turned the monitor on, and it was shattered. Like the gl- the physical glass on the outside was fine, no. but the internal glass was just sh- like it. There was nothing you could see. It was just shattered. And I didn't have another monitor. Oh, actually, I did. I had a monitor. I had Sydney's monitor, but it has a different connector. So now I have this the Mac Mini, but no monitor to plug it into. Until I realized I could plug it into my TV. So I did that and then strained my neck looking at a TV that's mounted too high for a computer thing. Anyway, all that's to say is after a week and a half, and now I have two monitors. I accidentally returned and reordered the same monitor. So Amazon's selling, sending me two monitors on Wednesday to replace the monitor that's broken. That's currently hooked up to a TV that I bought from Target so that I could actually plug the computer into it and have some monitor. I'm not sure this YouTube channel is worth all this, but I got the green screen working and there's a new video up. So go watch how, how I feel about Blood Rage. Um, let's talk about co-op games. <laughs> <laughs> what a transition. This is why our Chris, 
master segue artist channel such success also apparently he talked about flesh and blood and not blood rage yes flesh and blood not blood rage i'm just my blood is this is why we have an audience yeah my blood is raging right now your flesh and blood (laughs) is raging right now um (laughs) i know i'm gonna do a review of of terraforming mars in the future too because i don't think it's fair to just say i don't like it i think it's timely i have to like justify that yeah eventually okay all right yes matthew this is a board game podcast now now it's but i was talking about board game stuff somewhat um let's talk about co-op games what do you guys think about co-op games do you like them yeah depends on the game i I don't dislike games because they are co-ops but neither do i enjoy them solely for the co-op nature all right i enjoy fun games or not um (laughs) one so I like co-op games for one reason is like if no one wants to be if no one likes to like compete against anybody else co-op games you're all in it together you're trying to beat the board game you're not trying to you're not like an an antagonist to another player it's not zero sum well I guess it is zero sum but you're all in it together <laughs> <laughs> All right Kitty what do you like about co-op games I mean in de- depends on the game um i like working together i like the i like co-op games in which um you want to all work together towards a common goal that is fun because it doesn't trigger my kind of uh more competitive table flippy nature (laughs) um i tend to get more uh I, I don't like very aggressive games. So I like games which um, I think we've called multiplayer solitaire style games as well as co-op games because they don't have a lot of those uh, elements of games conflicts. that I just, <laughs> yes, that, okay. that I don't enjoy very much. <laughs> All right. Which is, which is fair. I, I like co-op games too. I did not like them for the longest time. It would actually... Mm-hmm. If you have listened to this podcast for almost five years, it'll be five years in like two months from now, uh, you'll realize that we actually started out kind of not hating on, but not being like a huge fan of co-op or solo games. I've definitely mm-hmm. turned around on both of these concepts. I I like the... So I don't necessarily like the idea of working with people. That part, I actually dislike quite a bit. <laughs> Chris is the manager. I'm gonna just at work. I I just (laughs) I'm gonna just I'm gonna justify this. Um, No, I I I mean I think a lot of people don't like working with other people. It's like the old group project adage, you know, like who likes to be assigned a group project? No one. (laughs) Yeah, but theoretically, in this instance, you pick your group, right? You're not just like not just people walking into your home off the street, and it's like now we're forced to work together. We have to solve this, you know, game. It's your friend. Sort of. That's yeah. a little better. <laughs> well, so, so I and and I do mean that. I I don't necessarily, and I say that I don't necessarily like working with people to solve a puzzle, but I definitely like that better than working against people. Now, I like a lot of games that are you know direct conflict, and those types of games I will enjoy them if they're actually you know fun games to play, and it's not about the winning or losing at the end. Games know who they are, where whether or not it's fun to play versus fun to win, right? There's there's different levels of that. Different podcasts, I think we've covered that a few t- different ways. But I do like the cooperative nature of, I am not going to make Kitty and Fletcher feel bad at the end of the game. But I might make them feel bad during the game. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's such a Chris know, like, thing to say. I- <laughs> I'm not going to make them feel bad at the end. It's while we play that they feel terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So we This is we when played, the suffering um, begins. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I think of playing cooperative games with you, there is a lot of conflict. Exactly, us. right? <laughs> but, you know, I don't dislike those experiences. It's not that I have a problem with conflict. Um, it's that it's I, have that a I don't with like. <laughs> no, no, I I actually really enjoy fighting with Chris. There is something that me and Chris really like. It you know 
it feels sibling-like when we get into these arguments, where it's like, we can say whatever we're going to say and know that at the end of this discussion, we're, we still like each other. It's not like there are no feelings hurt in this, but we are like so passionate about these arguments as they happen that it's just like where we should place that sticker we care too much oh my gosh Uh, (laughs) it it does get very intense but it's it's fun conflict i guess (laughs) well and that's the thing so so and this is where i wanted to actually bring this up because i know we've talked about co-ops before and in this particular episode we're going to talk about co-ops on a sliding scale of player interaction. And typically you talk about this in, in non-co-op board games, right? Uh, in, in co-op board games, you often talk about the alpha gamer or the alpha player, or the quarterback or the person who's trying to control everything. And I've mentioned it multiple times. Like Sydney really doesn't like those games where we are deciding as a group what the best thing to do is or pandemic's a great example of this. And then we'll get to my scale that I filled out with bunches of examples. Pandemic's a game that does not require four people. The mm-hmm. the other the other three I people I play it by myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other three people are just, you know, baggage. Fine. I have to deal with mm-hmm. you because you're here, you're my friends, and we're trying to beat the game together. But ultimately, you're just slowing me down. Because I could make the decisions for you and I have all the knowledge in my head, so I can just make this happen. Um those types of games are not fun for people, for some people, because you have to, you either have to sit back and say nothing and say, okay, well, it's your turn. So you get to decide everything, but that doesn't like pandemic. That doesn't really work in it. You got to have some kind of group consensus as to what you're trying to accomplish. So then you have to walk this fine line of what I think we should try to accomplish as a group versus Kitty, what I think you should do right now. But then am I playing your turn? If I'm like, well, as a group, if we don't move to that city and, and cure that and then trade that card to me, we're going to lose. But you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Just make the right decision. Just, yeah, just make the right decision. Um, you know, but it's up to you. It's, it's, your, it's your move. Those types of games, and I was just watching a, a, a Dice Tower. Z Garcia is a big fan of saying the quarterbacking problem isn't a problem of the game. It's a problem of the person which I completely adamantly disagree with. It is a problem with the game when this can happen. However, it's also a problem with the people. Just groups of people that want to control this shouldn't play those kinds of games. But anyway, what do you guys think? Am I am I really off base with that? <laughs> no. I mean, I it's, so. it's hard because those games can be... It's like the first time you play Pandemic, it's not as bad it's like the more you play it the worse the problem the more it becomes a problem because i think the first time you play pandemic together as a group everyone's trying to like figure this information out together it feels like you're learning together it's a fun experience but then you know it it becomes the uh oh it's the game dice masters problem Where then all week, everyone else went off and did their own thing. And my own thing was I played Pandemic on the iPad 800 times by myself. And then we all come back together and I'm like, well, now I know the right answer all the time. And when there's that imbalance of power is where it becomes like, you know, so it it just doesn't have the same replayability unless you're playing with a bunch of people who also played 800 times on the iPad. And they're like, oh, I got that, you know, and it becomes, I don't know, it, but it, it feels like it becomes less of a game and more of a puzzle activity, which we've discussed in an entire episode of its yeah. own. So, <laughs> yeah, Fletcher, what is what is your take on this? Where if you are, if you are, if the three of us are playing again, we'll use Pandemic as our current anchor example, and Kitty and I are passionately discussing whether or not we should save Paris or not. Where do you feel comfortable stepping in and saying um, Paris should die? Or, wait a minute, how can you not want to save Paris? Where would you take sides? Because we're, we're deciding, do we save Paris or do we let it die? <laughs> well, in this contrived example, uh, since I hate the city of Paris in real life, I say let it die. <laughs> um, how could you team up with Chris like that? <laughs> if we lose Paris, we lose the game. So, Kitty, it's two against one. We win. Paris dies. Uh <laughs> 
At which point, I'll pull Kitty out flips- the box right now and put this sticker in because I think we <laughs> stopped playing this game over this argument in Pandemic we- Legacy. Season two is dead because me and Chris got into too big a fight over Paris. <laughs> a cooperative game. <laughs> um, I can honestly say I've never really been in a situation like that. It's just always kind of been like, what cards do we think are coming up? How badly affected is you know in this case paris like is there already three tokens there do we think it's going to come up again soon or was it already drawn like what should we do um i don't know we i I don't think i've gotten into a situation where like two people are arguing it's like we should do this and the person like we should definitely do this other thing and not that spencer and josh just like left the room (laughs) like done with us (laughs) yeah (laughs) and the thing is we weren't even playing the game the session was over. We were arguing about where rounds. to put one of the upgrade stickers. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Matthew says, Alpha Gamers be like, you do correct choice, and we can win the game, or we can do your idea and and likely lose. That's true. I've actually said those words, and I don't feel like I'm a non-friendly gamer, but I'm doing this episode because I think I'm a non-friendly gamer. This is where right. well, it's you get really into hard. These situations happen, the I feel like, you. more often. <laughs> These situations, I think, happen more often when you're playing with people you don't know very well. Um, where you're like trying to be polite about it, and like you know, we're at a convention, we're all learning the game, but like there is a right answer in these games. Yeah, and I like, think it's the opposite for me. For me, it's frustrating. I'm going to speak my voice more if I'm with basically you guys, where if I'm playing at a convention, I won't say anything at all. I'm like, ah, I don't care if we lose. We'll do whatever anyone wants to do. You know, if nobody's saying anything, I might say something. But it's when I am actually can feel comfortable around the people that I get at my worst. So, yeah. I guess I, I don't actually say, like, I don't get into the fights. It's just the most frustrating for me when I feel like I need to be polite, but I also feel like you're making a bad choice. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, well, I don't, it's not my favorite. I'd rather solo play these games where the if they can be easily solo played, it's much more fun for me to play it yeah. alone. And, and that's Sydney's thing, too, is, like, I can see what we should do. And the game is just an exercise in convincing other people to see it as well. And so, all right. So and let that's me- why I think these games have been somewhat successful with people like you and me and Sydney playing together because it becomes then a discussion of like, this is the fun, right thing to do together. And that is more in the spirit of the game instead of like, why can't you see that my way is the right way to do this? And that's very con- confrontational and not as much fun. Yeah. But also, when there is a right answer, it's kind of like either we all saw it or it's like, pff, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there was an incident between Sydney and I in Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition <laughs> where Jen and Josh were there. And Jen and Josh just kind of stepped back away because Sydney wanted to not kill something with a shotgun. I'm like, you need to kill that thing with a shotgun or it's going to come back to haunt us. And she's like, no, I just want to go in this room and explore. I'm like, but if you don't kill that thing with a shotgun, we're going to lose. But it's like, well, I don't want to kill that thing with a shotgun. I want to explore. We'll see what's over here. And I'm, it would, it was, yeah. Um, we're still married, but not think we have not played Mansions <laughs> of Madness 2nd Edition since. <laughs> All right. So but here's we no my no longer sc- own that game. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my scale of co-ops. And I think the further you go down this scale, the more the easier it is to play these games in a group with people like me and Kitty. So <laughs> my first The less likely you are to be Josh and Spencer slowly backing out of the room. <laughs> exactly. The first group of games here are what I'm calling play by committee. These are games where it says one to something on the box, but it does not matter how many players. You're going to do exactly the same thing. And these games, the most, um, the, I think the biggest culprit, victim, viol- I don't know. The, big, the, the, the poster child of this particular genre is Seventh Continent. Seventh Continent is a sprawling map exploration game. The rules literally say... There are no turns. Any character can do whatever you want. The group decides when that character moves. So if I want to move 15 times before Kitty makes a move, that's fine. 
And then Kitty can move 15 times. Like there's no there's no reason that we both need to be there. It is a completely mm-hmm. fluid, turnless game. More people do not do anything for the game. You, I could play it with four characters. I could play with one character. Four people could play with one character. It would not matter. This game is purely an exploration. I don't think either of you have played Seventh Continent. No, I read this as Seven Wonders, and I was super confused for a while, but then I figured <laughs> yes. it out. <laughs> um, so so I won't go too deep into this, but th- this type of game, uh, other games like this, Tainted Grail is very similar to this. Tainted Grail has a, a little more of a defined turn structure, like I have to go, then you have to go. Unless we go as a party action, then we're going at the same time. Kingdom Death Monster Fletcher, I think, is like this. Where even though you always have four characters, regardless of how many people are at the table, right? Yes. So, like, and when you guys are playing this, because I know you played this a few times. When you were playing it, we are like, okay, this is my character. This is your character. And then we both control this character. Or, like, how did you guys split up the responsibilities? Because it doesn't feel like there's defined responsibilities there. Yeah, well, in Kingdom Death Monster, characters also kind of, like, come and go. So, we would... Since there's just two of us, we would both just pick two as our primary. Um, but the characters can die, and then when you go back to town, you'll have to select another character to replace. Um, but sometimes we would we would also swap like what characters we could we were controlling, um, just because it, it might be easier given a certain set of circumstances or whatever. Um, so in, in that case, it, it was a little bit more like loosey goosey. So in, in that case, though, you, I'm assuming when you're actually fighting the monster too, you're in strong communication about what you should do and where I'm going to go over here and do this and you're going to go oh, over yeah. here and do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, now, there's, this is a loaded question. So um, if you answer it the way I think you're going to answer it, I'm going to tell you you're not allowed to answer that way. But is the <laughs> game any more or less tactically different if you were playing it by yourself versus playing it with another person is there anything different uh, about the mechanics of the game the, the system of the game anything different about the mechanics or the system of the game no i would say no there isn't all right so this is a this is and and then why play it with someone else because i enjoy people's company <laughs> all right <laughs> that's that's fair it's not actually the answer i was looking for um but that's okay. We'll we'll that answer will be waited for later. Uh, Kitty, uh, and let's also see, two you people working played... together to solve a problem is generally better than just one. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, like you, the other person can think of other things that you might not have thought of, and vice versa. So it's always it's always fun that way. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let me keep going down this list of play by committee. Robinson Caruso. I love this game. I've never played it with anyone else. I see no need to play it with anyone else. Um, th- this one is everyone's making, is placing their basically pawns all at the same time. And it doesn't require more than one person to place the pawns. As soon as you start adding more people, you have to decide what you're going to do, which is, again, it could be fun to be with people. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Spirit Island. This one kind of falls into the next category as well. This one I find is actually easier if you're just one person, but also there's the cognitive load of playing multiple characters is huge. So this might fall into the next one. Um, Solomon Kane, uh, Sleeping Gods is the newest one out. This one might also fall into the next category, but I think Sleeping Gods is basically the same game if you're playing with one person or multiple people. And then Sprawlopolis. This is a solo 18-card game, which is amazing. Kitty, have you had a chance to play this yet? Nope. Well, it's amazing. It's a fun little solo (laughs) game, but it has co-op rules. And the co-op rules are you take turn placing cards. Okay. Like, okay. It it doesn't change the game. So anyway, this is my category of play-by-committee. As a group, typically you can decide who you're playing with. The next category I have here is multi-character but open information. These are the types of games. This is actually where I put Pandemic. Because Pandemic has, you know, one to four characters. And they're in Pandemic Legacy, the information is open by default. In Pandemic, it's an optional to keep your hands open. Um, but one person can play the entire game by themselves because they have all the information. It's just the cognitive load might be higher if you're playing multiple characters. Many of these games, that's not the case. But, you know, Pandemic... Um, I put Arkham Horror, the living card game here. It works fine for 
two characters, too many bones, Marvel champions, Cthulhu, Death May Die, Zombicide, um, Forbidden Desert, Adventure Tactics, Marvel United, Dungeons and Dragons. So these are games where it's convenient to have multiple people to help manage, but again, one person could play it. And I put D&D here as the last one, which I do definitely want to talk about. But does this make sense, this separation of like shared everything versus this is mine? Do you guys kind of see that progression and how that might change? I don't understand the question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if I'm not making sense, it's up to you guys to make this interesting. So ready? Go. (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) Um. So these, uh, um, (laughs) (laughs) I have bored Kitty to the point where she's like, wait, what's the topic again? My point is when I'm, these are different than like kingdom death monster where you're all playing the same characters, whether or not you're controlling them or not, or versus, um, let me pick a game. Well, pandemic again, pandemic, you have your own personal card of deck of cards or hand of cards, right? So yes. this is this is something where it's designed for players to control more than just where a figure on a board is moving to. You have something else to manage. But that extra thing to manage isn't necessarily all that hard for one person to manage multiple versions of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I feel like is- I've expressed my opinions on this style of game adequately previous to this point all right we'll skip over this one and go to the next one which which is i feel like we we talked about this a lot setting up for these things so so take everything i said about pandemic and apply it again here i will not repeat myself perfect now these two topics there are two categories i just went to are categories where i feel are either the play by committee is full-on solo you do not need extra players. And then the multiple characters over open information is full-on solo with play, extra players optional is how I think of that. The next category, this is where we get to, okay, this is probably a multiplayer game for co-op. Probably. These are multiple characters, closed information. Gloomhaven is a good example of this. By the rules, there are certain points in the game where you're not allowed to communicate specific information. When you play this by yourself, there's a, the solo variant is you need to make the game a step higher other because you've already made it easier by knowing having having all the information. Um, you can talk to your own brain. I couldn't actually come up with a ton. Yes, you can talk to your own brain. Now, I couldn't come up with a lot of examples in this one because there's not that many. So I overlapped Marvel Champions and Arkham Horror, the card game, by saying if you have more than two hands, this gets to a point where you really need more players to handle it um also ants and and sentinels of the multiverse are again you're managing your deck and your hand so there's a little bit more there than being able to manage that yourself gloomhaven is is like the the pinnacle example of this one though uh fletcher have you ever played gloomhaven solo and i'm assuming no based on your answers in previous uh no because i don't own gloomhaven actually if you did is Gloomhaven something you'd be interested in playing solo? Um, probably not. I was actually really close last week to picking up Jaws of the Lion and trying to convince Carmen to like play it with me, but she just didn't really seem that interested, so I ended up not getting the game. Because I was like, I don't know if I'm really going to play this solo. I would like to play this game with somebody, and Carmen doesn't really seem to be into it, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Um, I'm gonna. I'm ready to skip to the next one where we actually are playing cooperative multiplayer cooperative games. But Kitty, I want to pause here uh, again. I guess I don't think you've played any of these games. No. Okay. So I won't bore. The next one we've all played <laughs> from the next category, and this is hidden information games. And this is where I think I look forward to bl- playing these kinds of games. Um, except for. The very first one I have listed here. And actually a couple other ones. But this category has very like, I either love or hate these games. <laughs> yeah, these are these are a love or hate these game things. And this is co-op, multiple player, hidden information. And these are games that cannot be played without multiple people. Hanabi is mm-hmm. the first one I put on this list. And this was one where I don't play this one anymore because the last time I played it, 
uh, someone was just overly passionate and was like, uh, how could you have said that or thought this or whatever, where I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have your meta information of this game that you found out your own little meta rules to cheat in this co-op game. Um, so in Hanabi, you oh, we you're, didn't even talk about cheating at co-ops. <laughs> yeah. So in Hanabi, you're playing with a, a hand of uh, cards, depending on the number of players, it changes the number of cards, but they're all facing away from you. So you're the only one that doesn't know what's in your hand. And you go around the table and someone can ident- look at any other player's hand and point to multiple cards and say, this is, these are the, this color or these are this number. They have to be all the same color, same number. And mm-hmm. what you're trying to, to do is play on the table from one to five in each of the different colors. So that's Hanabi. You can't play that solo. Like there's no possible way to play yeah. that game solo. Um, the mind is another one. The mind is a game where you have numbers, cards with numbers from 1 to 100 in your hand. Um, on the first round, you have one card. The second round, you have two cards. And you're trying to play them in sequential order with people around the table without communicating, and you just want to play them in sequential order. Many people say this isn't a game. You can get better at it. It is a game, but it's also a game you can't play by yourself. Um, the Crew is another game that you can't communicate while you're playing in. It's a trick-taking game where you're trying to accomplish a goal. And you're trying to accomplish the goal with everyone around the table, but you can't talk to them, but also you can't play this solo. And I'm skipping forward to Codenames and Codenames Duet. This, well, actually, Codenames Duet specifically, because Codenames is not technically a co-op game, mm-hmm. but Co- Codenames Duet is, where you and someone sitting across from you is trying to figure out the right words, and you're giving each other clues, and you want to get all the right words without covering up the, the trap word. All of these games require another player. They're cooperative against the puzzle or the board or the whatever, but they they create a kind of situation where that conversation that Kitty and I would have, like in Codenames Duet, mm-hmm. we're, we're not having an argument over what the best move is. We're just trying to help each other. It's like, what we're, clue am I going to give you that I think I mean, you're going to get the best thing? we're playing the game. That is the the point of the game is to have this conversation now. And it's taken something that it was like before a conflict and it, it's gamified conflict. It gamifies gamified conflict. conflict. <laughs> isn't that isn't that just gamification in general? Is that games? <laughs> That's just are games. games just are games fun conflict? I don't understand. Anymore. But but I think this takes out uh. the this doesn't have any conflict, right? We went There's too no deep. conflict. Got to get back out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> We're just going to start go back to talking about D&D in a minute. Oh, good. <laughs> That'll make things easy. <laughs> Terrence, Terrence um, says games are fun conflict. And I would say sometimes they are. Sometimes they're just conflict. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I like this kind of game. Two of the games on your list here are my favorites. But I also very much dislike Hanabi and the Mind, but I think there's just not quite as much there. Whereas I really love the crew and time stories. I would put them possibly up like in my top ten games. I don't remember. You never make us do top tens anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> haven't thought about it in a while. But they are both games that have stayed in my collection and um I might have to buy my own copy of the crew because eventually you're gonna want yours back. So <laughs> I've already bought another copy of it. So the one you have oh, is good. Yours. This one's mine now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how yeah. I get too many of my games. <laughs> yeah. And I I didn't say time stories out loud, but it, it's on the list that I put here. And but again, another one that's kind of designed to have hidden information. Like, I get to reveal this, look at the back of this card and tell you what I see. And that's part of the game. There's Mysterium, also just, like, also another one of, like, there's too much information for more than what, for just one person to manage. Like, you, yeah. you, there is hidden information, but it's not as hidden as some of these other informations. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons why I skipped over time stories is because I think you could play that solo and it wouldn't break anything. I don't think it would break anything, but it would be very hard to manage. Yeah, or boring. Because the, a lot of these yeah, games boring. depend. Yeah, 
So the other one I put on here in this area is Dead of Winter. Um, and this can be also any I disagree. hidden trader, <laughs> hidden hidden trader type of game. To make hidden a hidden critter. trader game work, there has to be a trader. In order to have a trader, yeah, it I has would... to not be you. <laughs> well, we've already had the semi co-op episode. And I would say go back and listen to that. I don't believe my opinions have changed. Semi co-ops feel very different than co-op. And Dead yeah. of Winter, you each have your own goal. Which gives it a very different feel. It makes it a bit more selfish. It does um, lead to more interplayer conflict. Yes. Um, now, so to be clear, Dead of Winter has two modes. There is the hidden trader mode, and then there is the full co-op mode. You can remove the trader, but you still have to do your you have your hidden goals. You still have to do your goals. Mm-hmm. I I've never played it without a trader. I don't see the point of playing it without a trader. But I do agree with you that Hidden Trader and semi-co-op games are not co-op games. But they are, if you are going to put them under the larger umbrella of co-op, they are ones that it's very difficult to have a satisfying experience by yourself. <laughs> the left brain is trade, is, is, is holding something out from my right brain. I, I don't know how that works. No, you, you can't solo a Hidden Trader. <laughs> you can't solo a Hidden Trader. Um, the last one I have in here from Hidden Information is Real Time. And I can only think of a couple of these. Um, the one that really popped to my top of brain is Mechs versus Minions. This is, this is a co-op game. But in order to make this a game where you can't have more than... You can't just play it solo. The game has this drafting round where you draft in real time. Now, that said... I'm fairly certain there are solo rules and you could play this solo just fine. But again, I was, I was grasping at straws when I went to real time, but fuse is another one. It's a pretty common one. Uh, Matthew just said five minute dungeon is an amazing co-op real time game where you basically are all working together and, and you have five minutes to play the right cards to take out each of these bosses that are monsters that appear in the stack. Um, and there's a mm-hmm. ton of different five minutes things. So all these real time games, they're not nearly as much fun to play by yourself. Some of them have solo rules. Fuse has solo rules. Uh, but if you are playing multiple players, there's a reason why you couldn't do... You couldn't play multiplayer Fuse by yourself. You can play solo Fuse by yourself, though. All right. This is the very long-winded way to get to my point here. <laughs> <laughs> and this I'm is, glad we made it. Yeah. This is all a preface... To our next episode, which won't be next week, because next week is our D&D episode, or our role-playing game episodes. I don't actually know that we have a topic yet. Um, But the following week, we are going to talk about games that tell stories. And I have been playing a ton of campaign games by myself in the last, I don't know, a couple months. And when I'm playing these games... These games that I, I am declaring that, hey, why would you play with, why would you play Seventh Continent with someone else? There's no other decisions to make. Kingdom Death Monster, and this is Fletcher where I was trying to lead you, but, um, Kingdom Death Monster is far more interesting when you're sharing that journey with somebody else, when you're creating that story with someone else, when someone else is there to check you on the fact that, oh, I rolled poorly and I could ignore that roll and just roll again. Or I have a witness, and now we just have to go with what we rolled, <laughs> right? These I mean, are yeah, the difference. Like cheating, like if you're by yourself, you could just cheat. You could just sure. open up the box and close it again and say, "I win." <laughs> well, but sure, but even if you that didn't feel cheat, very good, you, you're still not sharing it with anybody. Yeah, now, I don't know I if said, that's like, good or bad. You know, because I want to play with people. Yes, is it? But you you just read a book. I forgot what book you read, but you told me you read a book, and it was a good book, and you read it on your new iPad, and Project it was a fantastic book. Did you enjoy that book? Yeah. Did you read it with someone else? No. If you had read it with someone else, would you have enjoyed it more? Uh, and to say specifically, if you were reading it for like a book club. Okay. Maybe marginally, I guess. I mean, I very much enjoy having read the same book as someone else. I don't need to read it at the same time as them, but... I like having read the same book as someone so I can discuss it with them. And almost everything I read, I make my sister read too. Um, because I, I think it brings something to the experience of 
she picks up on different things than I do. And we get to discuss what was interesting about the book from each of our perspectives. And we learn more about the story by discussing it. And um, everyone, everyone brings their own experiences to things. And that leads the story to be a little bit different from their perspective. So, yes, it's more fun to share a book with somebody else. Yes. Yep. And and actually, movies are a good example of this too, right? If you're watching mm-hmm. a movie by yourself, you may not be as invested as if you're watching it with somebody else. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. it it may not be the exact same thing, but you can still enjoy it's the book really by yourself. It's really fun to watch somebody who has a really, like, contagious laugh watch a movie they think is funny. It doesn't matter if I think the movie is funny. If they're laughing at something and they've got that kind of like infectious laugh, that's one of the most fun ways to watch a movie. And is this with is someone who is really enjoying it. And that's how kids programming becomes like tolerable to parents because my kid <laughs> yeah. thinks this is funny. And that is the only thing that is entertaining about this to me is watching my kid laugh so hard at it because otherwise it's just like, why? <laughs> and I think that that. <sighs> So I always do these episodes to try to convince myself that these games should exist. Seventh Continent, should should it be called a co-op <laughs> game, right? And the thing is, I don't think it is a co-op game. I think Seventh Continent is a solo game. I know, I, I, it, uh, anecdotally, Arkham Horror, the card game, is played most often solo. It's not played in groups. And I've, mm-hmm. played, Ar- I've played it solo. And it mechanically, it is faster to play solo it's easier to make whatever decisions i need to make you know like i don't have to there's just less to track but i enjoy playing that game even though i think of it as a solo game with sydney because we're sharing the story with each other and it it makes it matter it makes it it's, it's kind of like the, the tree fall in the in the forest does it make a sound sure it made a sound but no one heard it so it doesn't matter if it made a sound or not when you're playing mm-hmm. these games with more than one person, it's it matters more than just playing mm-hmm. it by yourself and not having anyone to share that experience with. Did I get? I I don't know. I don't know. I just does this any of this episode make sense, or should we just trash the whole thing and like we could record something new? <laughs> <laughs> it makes enough sense, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> makes more uh, sense than some of our other ones, but I don't know. That's not saying. I don't much. know why anyone listens to us ramble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much time are you willing? If I tell you, Kitty, I am willing to drive to your place so that we can play through Tainted Grail, Dark Arthurian Fantasy, a setting that you have mentioned multiple times sounds cool to you. A story that mm-hmm. I've been told is fantastic. Um, let's say it's going to take between you know. A, a, average of 30 to 40 hours to play if i said i would drive out to you so we can have five hour sessions of this six weeks in a row would you be willing to commit that time to exploring that story or is the only way i'm going to get through that story and i'm not just putting this on you i'm just just in general that's that's one option right find someone who play Mm -hmm. is willing to play like 30 hours of this game but if i want to experience the story should I wait for someone else to play it with, or should I just play it myself so I can experience the story and move on? And what are your guys' take on that? Is, is there something that you would do? It's like, you know, Fletcher, if you had Gloomhaven in front of you, and you played a, a few things, and you really like the system, would you be willing to keep playing by yourself to experience the story and the system? Or is it a non-starter if you don't have someone to share that with? And I'm going to let you two oh, take need- the last five minutes of this podcast. I would probably need someone to share that experience with. I don't think, like I just said, with Jaws of the Lion, I I wanted to get it. And I tried to convince Carmen to, like, give it a shot with me. But she didn't really seem that interested in it. And I was like, I guess I could play it solo. But, you know, I not really my thing. I want to experience this game for... Because, per- I mean, games like... Cooperative games like that should... I think should, like, be experienced with other people. With other people, sure, you can play them solo, but then it's kind of like a book. You could just read a book or watch a movie at, at that point, and it makes for like a poor book or movie experience, and I guess it, it, it's obviously a bit more interactive. But the part I like about these type of games is the interaction and the rules and constraints that you have with other players. And just playing 
solo, even though technically possible, it's just not the same. So I have <laughs> two different answers to this question. And that is when you talk about, you know, you're going to drive down here, we're going to play five hour sessions of Tainted Grail um, in this theoretical world somebody else is caring for my children and i have the time to actually like sit down and play this game that sounds like so much fun i would love to do that <laughs> in actuality it's hard enough for us to get together <laughs> for three hours a week to play D D, um and then stacking something else on top of that it's like oh yeah there goes you know so much of my free time but i would love to have that kind of time to do this with you um and i think that you know we should figure that out because uh i don't have this game but if I owned this game and it was me that had to drive to you to play this game, but I had the choice to solo it right now, I would do that. I wouldn't wait for somebody else to share the story with me. I'd be too excited about learning the story. So, I, you know, I, I get both sides of it. Like, I, And I think it might be more fun if I waited to play with you. But I think, you know, there's this also middle ground, which is, you know, like, I read a book and then my sister reads a book. You play the game and then I play the game. And if we each have our own copies, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you complete all 300 hours or whatever it is. You know, you can play the first scenario while I play the first scenario. And then we get together and we like talk out like, oh, how did you do this? What happened here? And, you know, we, we could have, you know, a, a book club, but it's a board game, <laughs> you know, and and that sounds like a fun way to do this kind of thing, too. It doesn't have to be solo or co-op. It can be a, a collective i don't know <laughs> so i rarely swear on this podcast i don't think i ever have but i'm gonna do it right now <laughs> damn it that's a great idea that really is like like the the solo co-op book club game club where because i'm not gonna play the game twice like and i'm making completely different no. decisions in chapter one versus <laughs> chapter two than you are but it also pushes you forward to say, oh, I got to finish chapter two because by Saturday, when I meet up with my solo game club. I don't club, want spoilers. I need to be caught up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and it, what it makes. I yeah. I love that idea. And, and the thing is, you don't have to play the whole game. Like a book, you typically read the whole book before you get a book club. I guess you could go by yeah. chapter by chapter, but you typically do. Oh, that's an amazing idea. Why? So, so now I need <laughs> to get you Tainted Grail. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I need a place to actually have room to play Tainted Grail. So, you know, it doesn't take are you up as buy much... me a bigger house too. <laughs> I'll send you a card tray too. It takes up a lot of card spots, but I actually got a card tray for it. So, a few people who um, responded in chat. Um, let's see. Miles says that it's a non-starter. He doesn't do things for himself. He just does things does things for others. So basically what he's getting at is he's not going to play solo games. He's <laughs> going to play co-op games. Um, that there was a couple other here that I thought was interesting here. Um, we're going to talk about role-playing games as single-player co-op games post-credits. So we're going to answer Terrence's question there. Uh, and then there's, there's also... Actually, Terrence just got a game called Under Falling Skies, which is a designated solo game. There's more and more, like, this is only a solo game coming out. I just backed one from Chip Theory Games called uh, Victorum. Vic Vic There's a YouTube video where I pronounce it wrong every single time. But, um, <laughs> like, there, it's like, it's meant to be a solo game. So I don't feel bad playing it solo because it told told me I could. But I Well, just think about how much fun we had reading um, Alba. And exactly. how sucked into that you got, and the different decisions we made. Like, this well, is and a that great one, idea. And I'm that still one, caught up in my great idea. <laughs> I didn't even share with you what I did, but I'm like, maybe I should. The one problem there is... We talked a little is, bit about it. Yeah, but you want to actually play through it again. So I didn't want to spoil anything for you. <laughs> but in a game where you're it's not going to play through it, I, I, I see this as a post-credit segment where it's like, okay, this is this the game we're going to play, <laughs> and each week... We're going to talk about the next chapter. There's only certain games this that This can be a Patreon with. tier, Chris. Monetize it. Oh, that's perfect. That <laughs> Up is your such pledge. A Patreon Join tier. our game club. <laughs> <laughs> that That is 100% on my possible list of things I would actually really do. I don't want to gate certain content on Patreon in general. 
But if I have an excuse to play a game every week and then meet up and talk about it, I am more than happy to record that and put that on Patreon because A, it's spoilery. <laughs> B, I'm going to do it regardless. I'd happily do it. Oh, this is good. This is good. All right. I feel like this episode's been saved. That's that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> now, the like I said, what I want to do is next week is a is a role-playing game episode. Um, and we'll come up with a topic between now and then. There's like a, a dozen that people have, have requested. And but the following week, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about, or I'm gonna talk about it. It was a 40 and slip, but we as a group are gonna talk <laughs> sure. about games that tell stories. So these are a mm-hmm. lot of these co-op games. They don't have to be. Some of them are competitive games, but games mm-hmm. where they are a replacement for other kinds of media. And and everything around that, because I just think it's a fascinating subject, and we're getting more and more games like this that are telling these actually interesting, good stories. And I can't wait to like just see more of these. Also, Kitty, Sleeping Gods is going to be our first game that we play solo and then book club, because it's Ryan Lockett. You love the universe. I already have an extra copy on its way, and so that's <laughs> that's going to be our first exclusive patreon content is kitty and i are going to play sleeping gods and fletcher you should order this game too i actually think carmen would love this game because it's more about story than game and from what i've heard the story is amazing so if i if i can get fletcher and carmen to play we'll have a three-way um co-op book club thing going on i know i i kept the sentence going fletcher you can't see fletcher's face but (laughs) on that note oh kitty save me for myself and we'll talk about D&D single player next. (laughs) Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link. And there's a link in the show notes too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gifted Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keefe, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodneys, Cindy Lum, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Dom Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And thanks to anyone who's ever been a patron. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so Kitty, Fletcher, let's play a game of D&D. The three of us are the only people that can play. So Fletcher, you have to play three characters. Kitty, you have to play three characters. How does this change your experience? That's too uh, many characters. Too many characters, yeah. Where, where is, I could play two characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might be able to play two, but three is too many. Also, six is a huge party. What? Right, what six if- is too big a party. Four player party. All right, <laughs> yeah. Four players. Four. So, so each of you playing. So each of you playing two characters. We can start there. How would that change your experience? Um, it'd be more to manage. I mean, like, and I don't think I'd get it, as invested in one character. Mm-hmm. It'd be it would be more like just managing two characters as opposed to like embodying one. I guess I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fun to try though. Like you know, if we were each playing like a more combat heavy character and then like a more caster type character so you only had to manage like one spell set type thing but like you know you had your your fighter and your wizard that you're controlling it doesn't sound too crazy i don't know you know what's amazing to i me? love biting off more than i can chew <laughs> no no no. it's amazing to me because so kitty you answered essentially the way i would where i'm like oh i would like to do that 
you and I play co-op games very, very similar in that we have no problem controlling everything that's going on. <laughs> where Fletcher's like, no, 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 I just want to do my thing and everyone else can do their thing. I, I don't think that those answers, A, a both of those answers are 100% right. Fletcher, I agree with you. You wouldn't get it as attached to either. But mechanically, you could do it. Like, yeah. you could play two, three, four characters. And there are official sidekick rules that allow you to have the you know, sidekicks are much more simplified characters to do that with. Um, but I think that playing D and D, like there's a, there's one on one D and D. There's there are the essentials box. I think basically says two to seven players, so you can play a DM and one character, and they just have a bunch of like henchmen that come along with them, along with the one character. But you're still this is my character, and then these are these guys work for me type of situation. You're the leader but, of a band of murder hobos. Basically, yes. <laughs> but I like I I would have no problem doing that. But I also I'm I, I'm more mechanical than story driven, which is why we're talking about what we're talking about next week. Because do games that tell stories are they more interesting than the mechanisms around those games? And on that note, have a good weekend. Have a happy Memorial Day and all those things. Uh, bye bye.